Thanks for listening to this week's Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. Before we start, if you enjoy listening every week and engaging the questions swirling around our culture and our churches, then we invite you to also visit qideas.org. Asking questions is actually the whole mode of operation here. It's how we think that we as leaders can actually engage better as we enter into a cultural landscape that's changing quite a bit. Each week, Gabe and his team look at one of those important questions, then try to respond to them with the help of thought leaders who have spoken at Q conferences. Watch selected videos and read thought-provoking articles around the topics as you seek to find answers to these important questions. You can also sign up and get these weekly questions sent right to your email inbox. That way, you won't miss a question. It's another way Q wants to help you stay curious, think well, and advance good. Now, here's this week's Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. Welcome to Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. Q is about conversation. If we're really concerned about ending poverty, we've got to be more concerned about creating justice. Our cultural products as Christians need to both defy and resonate with the culture. And God's doing amazing things. His church is expanding. His church is growing. It's not what's the purpose of my life. It's what is the purpose that's been assigned. Stay curious. Think well. Advance good. This is Q. We need to be careful, particularly as Christians, that we're not going to politics to get our spiritual or emotional needs met. Because our politics has become so cultural, it becomes really easy to treat it as a form of entertainment. It becomes really easy to treat it as just a place where we could go to get certain kinds of cultural affirmation. But that's not what politics is for. And what happens is when we go to politics and fill ourselves up with that kind of personal affirmation, that kind of like cultural entertainment value, it means that we're not freed up to go into politics to love our neighbor. Hi, this is Gabe Lyons. Welcome to another edition of the Q Podcast. And we're talking politics this week. Can you believe it? Talking about America's political process, where we're sitting right now. We're coming off of an election And that's created a lot of great conversation about what do we do now? How do we move forward? I think in our culture, a lot of emphasis is put on these moments. It's a moment of kind of measuring how the public's feeling about candidates, about issues, about the trajectory of of our country. And so those of you listening around the world who aren't in American politics, I know you're still affected by it in some ways. You you hear about it on the periphery, but I don't pretend to think that that you take it as, as literal and as important as a lot of people in America do. But I think you're still going to enjoy the conversation today because I've invited in Michael Weir, and Michael's amazing. He's a chief strategist at the AND campaign now and the founder of Public Square Strategies and a leading expert really on the, the intersection of faith, politics, public life. What's really neat about Michael was just the experience he got at the age of 18 to work on President Obama's first campaign and be one of the youngest staffers at the White House and spent four years there and did a, did a great job pulling together community leaders, pulling together people around issues that a lot of times don't really happen in White Houses. And he was a great catalyst for getting a lot of people that that didn't necessarily vote or support President Obama's politics, but brought them together to say, we can solve some problems together. This is the U.S. government. Let's work together on things. And he he led that very faithfully, did a wonderful job. And uh, I think 
Today, what we want to talk about, though, is just kind of get his quick take on the election. He always has a great perspective on what's happening around the political realm. But then to step back a little bit and say, now, what do we do now? And what I'm excited about is just sharing with you something called Q Dinners that are happening all over the country in the next week. And I want you to be a part of it. So you're going to hear more about that in just a moment. But if you're rushing around, if you're about to get to the office or you're on that run and, and you can't listen to the rest of this interview, you can go to Q Dinners. Dot com And you can see everything you need to know about how you can be a part of the solution coming out of a divisive moment in American politics. And if you're international, you can also host dinner. We have a different topic, talking technology with you. And we have over 100 dinners taking place all around the world next week as well. So this is an opportunity for us to come together to lead, to offer something just a little bit different than what people might be expecting. And to do that through our own hospitality, where we open our doors we, we leave room at our tables, we break bread together, and we talk about important things where we actually see the image of God, we see the humanity, we respect that, we bring dignity to that in the other person, even if we disagree with them, even if we don't vote the same way that they vote. And so we're going to talk to Michael right now. I want you to listen in to just his perspective on things, hear a little bit more about how you can be a part of this over the next couple of weeks, and then just be encouraged as we kind of move into a season where as Americans we don't have to think about who we're voting for in the next couple months. That'll happen soon enough, and we can just focus on what it looks like to be community uh, and to lead well and to, to really raise up the dignity of conversation and, and healing some of these divides that that are absolutely critical and need leadership. And so we want to encourage you to be those kinds of leaders. So let's listen now to my conversation with Michael Weir. This is one of my favorite things about election week is you and I debriefing, getting to talk about your perspective, what you see happening, but really from a deeper level. I mean, everybody can hear the pundits talk about the numbers, you know, what happened with the midterms and the Democrats picking up House seats and, and you know, you can kind of get the, the facts. But let's just jump into, you know, kind of the moment we're in two years on from Trump's election, from the, the country feeling very divided. The data is showing that 67 percent, the latest pupil, you know, 67 percent of people feel exhausted by all that's been going on. So coming out of like an election this week, do you feel like people are less exhausted now or are we more exhausted or what, what's the feeling right now? Oh, there was a study that came out just last month about hidden tribes. And one of the major findings of that was that you have two extremes that are represented by less than 10%, you know, less than 10% on the far right, less than 10% on the far left. And the rest of the country pretty much is what they call part of the exhausted middle. And so I think a lot of us are in that exhausted middle. Uh, and, and yeah, I think similarly to the, the morning after uh, the election in 2016, I, I think we're, we're in this place in our country where our elections are so deeply felt. There's such a personal aspect to them. They hit us to our core that there are no completely satisfactory outcomes to our election. <laughs> we, we, we end up, uh, no matter, really, no matter how our side did, uh, still feeling as though our place in our own country is sort of unmoored. And I think a lot of, a lot of people are feeling that now. I, I came away from the election results, uh, last night feeling like, a big part of the story was how big of a driver partisan identity was. You had uh, candidates with deep roots in their states and their district 
like folk, like folks knew them when they were running, and it didn't seem to matter in the outcomes. You saw people who were served as governor of their state and were loved, uh, and they still lost by 20, 25 points. And the big reason for that on both sides of the aisle was the other party was saying how uh, evil their party was, and and partisanship drove so much and transcended even personality and and individual campaigns people people ran of course there were exceptions but that really stuck out to me well something that michael we've talked about a lot the idea that politics is downstream from culture and i i would say the last couple of years it almost feels like there's a new conversation needing to be had about that because in a lot of ways our politics feels like it's now driving our culture Yes. And the conversations we're having, the yeah. way we have conversation, our posture. I think you can make the case that, you know, hey, we have a president now that was formed out of reality television. So in, in some ways, reality television drove politics. And so we're kind of yeah. experiencing the result of, of a politics driven by entertainment and, and television. But at the same yeah. point, it feels like a new moment where, you know, either this presidency has helped unveil what people really thought and felt and were hiding underneath something or these are new feelings that have felt that, that people didn't even, you know, they, they, they weren't hiding. They didn't even think about some of these things, but now they are, and they're feeling empowered to talk more openly about their views. And so you're finding a lot of people disengaging because they, they don't want to be in those fights. They are exhausted, like you said. And I think from for, for our conversation today, I mean, as people of faith, where this really matters a lot to us, we care about every human being. We're called to love every other person, see them in the image of God. I don't think we get the option to kind of resign or bail out of this stuff. We, we have to be involved in it. But how can we approach the next couple of years, let's say? So the election's done now. We don't have to talk about elections for at least, what, three months? And then we get to talk about the yeah. presidential or something. But, but we have a little window here. And, and at Q, we're interested in this little window. And how do we make headway on trying to live out our faith in a way that's really generous to people who maybe we have political differences with. And you've had to experience that a lot in your life. You have friends all over the place in terms of political views, and everybody loves you, Michael. They, they love hanging out with you, love your generosity of spirit, your humility. How can we be more like that? <laughs> well, I think your politics is a form of culture. And I think we've seen over the last two years, but you know, far before that, that, that the way our political leaders act and the culture that our politics uh, creates is going to influence everything else. It influences what our children are exposed to. It influences the types of conversations we feel empowered to have or not empowered to have. And, and so I, I think that's a really profound thing for us to understand about sort of there is no focusing on culture apart from politics because it's it's just all in it's all in a big stew right now. It's all mixing together. Uh Here's what I would suggest, and, and I, I talk about this a, a, a bit in, in in my talk in Q, which is we need to be careful, particularly as Christians, that we're not going to politics to get our spiritual or emotional needs met. Because our politics has become so cultural, it becomes really easy to treat it as a form of entertainment. It becomes really easy to treat it as just a place where we could go to get certain kinds of cultural affirmation or uh, really seek to find politicians who just understand the people we are. And you hear all this kind of like weird language about people. Oh, I really felt like that candidate understood me as a human being. It, right. it, but that's not what politics is for. And, 
And what happens is when we go to politics and fill ourselves up with that kind of uh, personal affirmation, that kind of like uh, uh, cultural entertainment value, it means that we're not freed up to go into politics to love our neighbor. It means that we're not freed up when we go into politics uh, to focus on the concrete and limited purposes of justice and the affirmation of human dignity that politics is actually capable of, of meeting. Politics is not capable of meeting your spiritual needs. Politics is capable to some extent of advancing and securing justice and human dignity. And so I would encourage Christians to participate in communities where there is uh, an ability to self-critique and an open community of, of love to maybe hold others accountable uh, that we aren't going to politics to get even our sort of Christian culture affirmed. Like we don't need our politics to, to do that. We need our politics to uh, protect the first amendment, protect religious freedom. We need our politics to uh, make sure our criminal justice system is just, we don't need our political system to be doing the work of evangelism for us. Right. Uh, we don't need our political system to be doing the work of the gospel uh, for us. And so w when we're able to hold uh, ourselves in check sort of uh, on those kinds of things, uh, what we're able to show as a community that we believe politics is important but not ultimate, uh, then that could be a real blessing to our politics. And then we could be freed up to uh, to actually go into politics seeking the common good and not sort of our own personal inner needs. Man, that's so well said. And and you mentioned how you gave this in a nine-minute talk, and I'm excited about how we've been able to, to work together to get this talk out to a lot of people in the next week. One of the things we invited people to do, Michael, and I've been blown away by the response, is we, we said proactively, if you're part of this Q community, where we have you know thousands of people around the U.S. and around the world who've participated in this over over a decade, we said, what if the week after the election in America, you decided to open up your doors to your home and invite in your neighbors, maybe some colleagues from work, a few friends, have them over for dinner, host dinner in your home, serve a meal, make a meal, do the hospitable thing, and invite a real conversation around how do we move beyond partisan politics? How do we actually solve problems together, see one another outside of these labels of right or left? And what we're doing, so, so we've had almost a 1,000 people at this point, and I know more will be signing Amazing. on right now, decide to host dinner. So next week we're going to have dinners, and, and here's here's kind of the appetizer for dinner is, is they're serving appetizers and drinks, and they're watching a nine-minute Q talk that you delivered. And it's the talk you're just referencing, some of the things you just said. That's going to be part of this nine-minute talk where it's going to remind people of these basics of politics and what role it ought to play in our lives and how we can think beyond that in a world that currently says everything's about politics and whatever you think about politics defines who you are. And you're saying something very different and countercultural and really refreshing, I think, to the people who are exhausted. So if you're watching this right now, I want to invite you to think about hosting in, in your home. Obviously, this is free. might cost you a little bit in food. If you don't want to cook, go ahead and cater. Bring some food in, but we'll supply you with the guide. We've got a conversation guide. We've got this talk, uh, nine-minute talk, and then everybody sits around the dinner table and while breaking bread together has a few questions, some conversation starters that we're going to put in the middle. And you can see more about that at QDinners.com. You can RSVP decide if you want to do that. We'll quickly get you the information. We'll get you a text. You can just copy and paste, edit in your information, send it out. So that's happening. And so, Michael, I'm excited for more and more people 
to really engage this kind of substantive conversation that, that moves us out of this realm of politics. And, and I'm finding, and I don't know about you, I'd love to, your comments on this with your current work with the end campaign, but I'm finding that a lot of people are pretty interested in new ideas that move us out of just this constant right or left fighting and are looking for some hope beyond it. And, and you're doing that kind of work now. I mean, share with us a little bit about your work with the AND campaign and what that's about, because I think it's very relevant to this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'm chief strategist for the AND campaign, and we're a uh, Christian political education and advocacy organization. And so uh, we do work to help Christians think and act Christianly in politics. And the good news we have and the good news for all Christians is that politics is not like this one realm of life in which God is just sort of confounded or mystified by it. And we so often treat politics like that. Uh, but, but Jesus, Jesus actually is not scared by our politics. He's not anxious about what's happening in the political scene. And our faith actually offers resources. So Jesus' burden is actually lighten politics too. We don't have to be exhausted all of the time uh, politically because Jesus gives us resources to, to navigate politics in a, in, in a healthy way. And so Ant Campaign is an organization that's trying to help Christians uh, steward the influence they have out of love of God and for the good of their neighbors. And that's really what my talk is about. Yeah. And just talking some more shop. Let's talk some political talk. I know that's yeah. a, that's a realm you're pretty comfortable in. I, I know <laughs> this week, I mean, one of the big questions politically in American life is, is how is this going to function now? We go into this next year. Democrats have the House. Nancy Pelosi currently, you know, um, in, a, in, a, in a leadership role and, uh, you know, saw this election as a check on the Trump presidency. And, and it seems like there's two ways this could go, right? Like they could really double down on impeachment talk, on really investigations and that sort of thing, or go a little bit of a more moderate route and, and just, you know, get around some other issues that maybe the, the electorate cares more about. You know, what, what's your insight into that? Like, what do you, I know you have no idea, you don't have the crystal ball of where this will go, but um, is there kind of a high road right now that could be taken and, and maybe a low road and what would those be? Yeah, so it's interesting. You know, a lot of the same leaders are in place now that were there in 2006, the last time Democrats took that Congress uh, with the understanding that they had a presidential election that was two years away. And uh, they generally sought compromise, sought sort of a big tent. And of course, in 2008, they won the presidency and even expanded uh, some of their margins in Congress. The, the mood is a little different now, even though some of the same people are in place. And so it's going to be a real tension in the party. Even today, Nancy Pelosi uh, released a statement uh, saying that she wanted to see compromise and see ways that they could work with the Trump administration and, you know, s sort of the uh, some of the people with platforms and people with voices were very much against that. So there's going to be this more sort of confrontational unapologetic wing of the party with a more uh, pragmatist, uh, let's see what we can get done. And, it, you know, Speaker Pelosi was, well, uh, well, 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 Speaker elect, I guess, has been around the rodeo quite a few times. Right. So uh, she's someone who has experience to keep together a pretty diverse uh, Democratic caucus, but It'll be a challenge this time around. And, you know, President Trump, he gave a press conference today, which indicates that, uh, you know, 
he, he's not going to take a passive uh, uh, approach to this either. So I, I think that there are some real possibilities when we talk about infrastructure reform, when we talk about paid family leave, even when we talk about criminal justice reform for the sides to work together. But given how heated and combative the general political environment is, and frankly, how much Democrats just want President Trump gone, whether by election or something or right. 25th Amendment or something like that. It's not an environment which uh, is conductive to level headed reasoning. <laughs> I know. It seems the incentives are all the wrong way right now. And it, yeah. and it really honors and rewards being more extreme, being more vocal, taking on your opponent, hardcore. You know, but I'm reminded too, Michael, sometimes Christians have decided, hey, I, we just need to get out of politics. And I get that. Yeah. Like some, in a lot of ways, the brand of Christianity has been a bit mired by this complete buy-in to political power as the way that Christians should advance their beliefs and ideas. Instead of just seeing it as one place, that's important to be faithful and show up in, but but not the ultimate. And I think, um, I think though, I was reading like a Thomas Jefferson, you know, John Meacham's uh, biography of yeah, his yeah, life, yeah. and and it was just interesting to read about even in the Thomas Jefferson days how much politics was just so tough and. The kinds of things these people would say about each other were, were horrible. I mean, worse than we yeah. even hear today. Oh, and, yeah. and, you know, it, it was it was describing how you really can't understand American culture without understanding this tie between politics and this country and that it's unique, maybe more so than other nations. And so it's not something you can just avoid. It's there. And I think if anything, it's it this whole process is going to force more people, especially younger people, to engage the process and to think about how do they want this process to look, you know, 10 years from now? And are we going to keep rewarding the same kinds of uh, behaviors that appeal to some of our lower persons of who we are and who we were meant to be, yeah. our shadow side, so to speak? So, yeah. Um, so, so, Gabe, you, you know, what if it was Christians who said, yes, uh, some of us are Republicans, some are Democrats, some of us have different sort of political interests than others, partisan interests than others. But because we're Christians, uh, because we're motivated in politics, uh, because we want to see the flourishing of our communities, we don't want to see our politicians play games with policy in order to uh, advance their own political interests. And so when there's a bill like the First Step Act, that is a criminal justice reform bill supported by the Trump administration, supported by Hakeem Jeffries, who's a Democratic congressman uh, in Harlem and Van Jones, that that is a bill we want to see move forward because it will help people, regardless of whether it will make Trump look good or make Democrats look good. Uh, Christians can actually be that voice. We could actually be freed up enough and not so invested in the horse race politics to say, you know what, uh, we'll worry about elections when elections come. But we have this opportunity that God has given us, this moment that we're in, to maybe get some good things done. (laughs) And like you said, the incentives aren't there now. But what if Christians actually said we're going to steward our influence to to provide those incentives? We're going to support politicians of either party who are going to take concrete steps forward in a way that help our neighbors. And we're not going to pay so much attention to uh, what party they're a part of or what the long-term political strategy is. And I, I think we could do that. I really yeah. do. Well, I think if, historically, I mean, our role, isn't it, in politics? We should be the smartest on these issues. We should be thinking about the vulnerable. We should be those standing up because we're educated on the issues and what policies we think will produce human flourishing. We know they're imperfect. They're not always going to get it 
Absolutely yeah. right. Some of them have a lot of right. unintended consequences, but that's politics. Yes. And yes. and yeah, I think I think that's a good a good word and very practical. Well, Michael, thank you for being with us today. I know it's another busy day for you and a lot of the things that you're leading, but I'm glad you joined us. It's always fun to just get your take, but also to yeah. to pull us out a little bit, get a little thirty thousand foot perspective on the moment we're in, not to take it too seriously, not to think this is so ultimate and gain perspective. And for those of you listening, please host dinner next week. This is simple. Text a few friends, go to QDinners.com, give us your information. We'll send you out. This is all free. Uh, be a part of this. Over a thousand dinners taking place next week, uh, all kind of connected by a vision of hospitality, a vision of having real conversations that help us move forward and heal some of these divides. It's exciting. It's an incredible, incredible thing that you're doing. And so thank you for doing that with us. And we're excited to see how this will be used by God to be a part of that healing that I think, I think we need in our nation. So uh, Michael, again, thank you for being a part of that and I hope you have a great week. Yeah. Thanks Gabe. Really uh, looking forward to partnering with you and the key community in this way. Thanks. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Michael. He's always, he's great. And I would encourage you to get his book, Reclaiming Hope. This book is a wonderful read about politics. He kind of recounts his time in the Obama White House, but really, really turns that towards just a discussion around the future of faith in America. Also, if you are part of the Q dinner process next week, you're going to get to hear his talk, which really is about rising above partisanship. It's a great talk, nine minutes, where you're going to get to hear and learn more and see more of his perspective on how we as Christians can really be thoughtful about the role politics ought to play in our lives. And sometimes... We make an idol out of it. Sometimes it becomes way more than it ought to become. And this is just going to be a good reflection and a reminder. So will you join us? Will you host dinner? I mean, even if you're like, look, I'm just going to get my family together for dinner, then get your family together for dinner. Be intentional with at least an hour of time next week, one night, to have a real substantive conversation around something that matters. But we'd encourage you to invite your friends, six or more people we think is the magic number, to come around the table to enjoy you know, an appetizer. We're going to give you recipes from world-famous chef Daniel Walker out in San Francisco, the New York Times best-selling author of a recipe book called Celebrations. She's providing our menu for the evening and excited to be a part of this. And so just join in. Be one of the thousand-plus people who say we're going to open our homes and we're going to be part of the solution. It's an exciting story. Thank you for being a part of it, and we look forward to talking again next week. This show is made possible in partnership with Faith Radio and Northwestern Media. Thank you for listening to the Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make your gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. To avoid missing future editions of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or on your podcast player. And thank you for sharing this audio link with a friend and growing the impact of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons.